Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, your hosts of the Shock Therapy Podcast, Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. What's up, Zach? How you doing? I'm good, man. I get more pumped every time I hear our new intro. <laughs> I think I need some editing to do on it a little bit. Bring some of the, the sounds up a little bit. It's something I plan on getting into here pretty soon. Um, but I like where I'm headed with it. I think I'm close to where I want it to be. Yeah, it definitely gives us that in-stadium, that in-game feeling that I think we're looking for. I'm- yeah, we're getting there. We're getting close. I just got some edits to do. Uh, but right now I'm super busy with all this draft stuff going on. It's Super Bowl week. We just had the Pro Bowl. We got a lot to talk about today, man. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I felt really restful. I had a really restful week this past week taking a break from the show. But I really felt like I was missing something from you know, a part of my soul this past week, you know, it's more than just a name, like coming on here and talking charger football with you for an hour out of the week is honestly my therapy. So I'm glad we're back. And like you said, we have a bunch of fun stuff to talk about tonight. Yeah, man, I'm all about it. I love talking chargers football. I love talking draft. Uh, I spent all my time studying for my MBA, which is why I had a bail on you last week. Cause I'm just, <laughs> no worries. I'm just feeling it, man. But Hey, it's super bowl week. I got, got it get into that like what's your plans for the super bowl man so uh, i i i don't know um i had some tentative plans possibly go out to sacramento which is about an hour and a half away to my buddies but i i work the night before um and i I really don't know what i'm gonna do this is like the first super bowl i think my entire life where i haven't had a party picked out uh multiple weeks ahead so i'm kind of scrambling right now trying to find something um i don't know what i'm gonna do uh, <laughs> i want to do something but people are busy with school and stuff and it's hard to get a group together right now with 
all the pandemic and everything that's going on. So uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do. You, you have a new house. What are your Super Bowl plans? I do have a new house. I'm excited. I'm stoked. Uh, I got two racks of ribs that I'm going to be nice. putting on the smoker. Probably start that in the morning. Uh, I bought my wife for Christmas a bunch of bakeware. So she wants to like bake all this like football like looking stuff. We've never like celebrated <laughs> like the Super Bowl like this. Usually it's I go to a bar, get a little too drunk because the Chargers aren't playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and yeah. then I uh, and then I make a fool of myself and and then wake up in the morning and stumble into work somehow, some way. <laughs> Typically is how that all goes. But did, did you see? I heard that Cincinnati Public Schools has given all of their kids the day off of school on Monday which go Cincinnati, but that should just be universal across the nation. Nobody should have to go to school or work the next day. Everyone's hungover. Even if you don't watch the game, you're full on chips and dip because everyone brings like 15 different dips. It, it, it and you get be... New Year's Day off, right? What's it's right. Same thing. Get same on board. Thing. Let's talk about the Super Bowl a little bit before we start diving into some of the Senior Bowl uh, talk that we have to, to go into. So there's the first thing I want to bring up. There's a lot of talk about, I mean, the chargers lose either way. If Joe Burrow gets the, the super bowl, you know, puts Justin Herbert behind a little bit, but if the Rams win the super bowl, then, you know, they, they lose essentially the, the race to win a super bowl in LA. What is the, the worst option there? Like what, what's going on with, with your thoughts on, you know, how, how do you want this game to go and what implications does it have? Yeah, that that's tough. I, and I think I've been just trying to look at this game as not a Charger fan because it's going to sting either way. Having our neighbors win or having one of who's probably going to be a rival for us in the AFC for a long time uh, in the Bengals. So it's kind of like pick your poison. I'm looking at it kind of as like a, just a I, I think where I'm at, at it now is that I kind of want the Rams to win because in a couple years with how their roster's built, they're not going to – this is their time to get – to be competitive. I think the Bengals are going to be competitive for as long as they have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I think that's the reality of it. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of the Bengals in the AFC Championship and competing for Super Bowls for years to come. I don't think that is the case with the Rams, and that's why they signed Eric Weddle out of retirement, where they went all in with Matt Stafford, and they went and got OBJ at the trade deadline. They are all in this year, so I think because of that, I don't think we're going to see Los Angeles Rams compete for Super Bowls for the next four or five years. So I would like to see them win it, get it over with, and then you can go be irrelevant for the next four or five years while uh, Justin Herbert, you know, takes over this city. That's kind of where I'm at. You know, I think it's funny how people are like kind of bummed about either which way it goes. And to be honest, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> to be honest, I don't care. Like if Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl, doesn't diminish Justin Herbert at all. It does nothing to Justin Herbert whatsoever, right? Justin yeah. Herbert is still writing his own story. Uh, it's it's not that big of a deal. I, I I just don't understand why everybody's hyping it up to be some big competition. Justin Herbert ran rookie, rookie of the year, and he ran away with it. And Joe Burrow had a pretty decent rookie year, but he also only won two games all of last season, and he injured his knee. And, you know, Joe Burrow's got his own swagger about him. He's his own player. 
the the Chargers are not competing with the Bengals in any way, shape, or form other than the fact of seeing each other in the playoffs and maybe one game a year, right? They're not in the division. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's it, we're, Yeah, it's this, this – we put this on them as fans because I think we just don't like their fans. Both guys are incredibly gifted, and I think what really – What's really crazy about those two guys and then the draft class we saw in 2020 is look at this incoming quarterback class. We were absolutely, as NFL fans, just spoiled with the quarterback talent we've seen come through in the last two years. It's hard to be that good, and I think we're getting just like this. There's so much good talent that we're like, oh, they're kind of not that good. No, they're elite. There just hasn't been this much talent in the league at the same time ever. And then, like, when I look at it with, with like, I want Joe Burrow to be good. I want to have those matchups in the future, those games that you're on the edge of your seat for, right? Like, you know, it would be worse if Joe Burrow just crashed and failed because then you have nobody to compare Justin Herbert to, right? Like, you need to have – and the AFC is going to be super, super strong just overall for years to come. You look at Lamar Jackson over there. You look at – um uh maybe our division isn't as great outside of Patrick Mahomes, but those are battles that you're going to be watching year after year, right? It makes for good football. It doesn't diminish anything Justin Herbert's done to date or anything he will do in the future. It's just, you want them to be good because you want somebody to compare yourself to, right? Uh, You look at like the quarterbacks from the old, you know, you got the Tom Brady's, you got the Drew Brees, you got the Peyton Manning's. Roethlisberger, Eli Man, you look at all of that, and it was fun because all those guys were good. All of them yeah. were, right? And you got to compare each and every one of them to each other, right? Tom Brady is the GOAT. The likelihood of anybody else ever doing what Tom Brady did is so unlikely. That is so unlikely and unrealistic. Well, it, well, and just to build off of that point, the argument who is better between Eli Manning, uh, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger, that will never be settled. That is never. something that our kids' kids will debate for the rest of your life. You can go make debates for every any one of those guys, and I think that's three of three of the best quarterbacks in that generation. We have three or four of them that caliber all playing right now at the same time, at the peaks of the same. It's it's incredible where the the, the talent level of the NFL is right now. It's and you're going to watch Amazing. it for the next 10 years. Like, you're going you to watch it for so long. You have and to. Then, it's that, that entertainment you can't take your eyes off of. And, you know, what's weird is you look at, like, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has nobody to be compared to because two years before and after he was drafted, it was kind of a quiet quarterback class. Nobody's looking at Ryan Tannehill versus Russell Wilson. Like, it's just different. You had, like, a, a few years of just really – I mean, Kirk Cousins is ranked with Russell Wilson, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you had a couple years there where you just had a bunch of average quarterbacks and Russell Wilson is the best out of that group. But this new Jared Allen, this this whole group that of quarterbacks that we have together within these three years that they were drafted together is going to be outstanding to watch for a long time. And it's so exciting. So I don't – I don't – it's not a competition – ultimately, because nobody's ever going to win. Just like, right. you know, Peyton Manning 
was great in his own way, the way that Drew Brees is great in his own way. And their careers will always be molded together. But ultimately, like, is there a winner or is there just fun football to watch? Well, and it's where it's where do you draw that line? We all have, you know, if you want the statistics guy. Well, yeah, it, it's pick or choose. They both have things that certain fans value. And that's why they go with one guy over the other. I think we just need to, you know, humble ourselves a little bit and just enjoy what we're seeing, which right now is a, just a golden age of talent in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position. Just be thankful that you get to see it. Yeah, I'm stoked. To ex- ex- I'm so excited to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs facing off against some of these other top tier quarterbacks for so many years. And we're going to get Patrick Mahomes versus Justin Herbert for 10 years. Like we're going to get that for so long. And what's interesting to think about is imagine if either of those guys came in during the time that Russell Westbrook came in, I don't think their careers would be as good as they are going to be because they have those guys to compare themselves each off season. They're like, I have to outdo burrow this year. I have to do outdo. Herbert was the one of only two quarterbacks to throw for 5,000 yards last year, right? Like everyone's now everyone's going to be like, I have to do what Herbert did. Well, Herbert's going to say, I need to do what burrow did. And that level of trying to one up the other guy is just going to excel them even further than what they would be without that type of competition to raise, you know, you, you don't understand what I'm saying. You always run faster when you're chasing somebody. Right, exactly. That's you a good always run faster when you're chasing somebody. And then when we look at like the Rams versus Chargers, the battle for LA, the fight for LA, let's be real here. Let's be honest with each other. The Chargers lost before they even came because they they have a, a much smaller fan base, realistically, and the Rams were there for so much longer than they, the Chargers were. We were never going to win that battle anyways. And I'm okay with it because I like being, you know, you go on Chargers Twitter, like we have a small community. I feel like everybody knows everybody, right? <laughs> Every Like I have never seen anybody get the support for our own, very own Chargers fan of the year. Um, uh, what's her name? Jenna uh, just Jennifer ran away Wells. with it too. Yeah, she just she's going to run away with it. And our community – like it's so tight and like it's it feels like a family. Honestly, I don't want to sound, you know, whatever it is, but like our community is so much more special because of the people that did stay mm-hmm. fans are so hardcore and they're so they love their team so much. And I love the ranting back and forth, but I, I don't feel like any other fan base has that camaraderie together that, that the Chargers fans do. There's something really genuine about it, right? It, it's other. It's a lot of people. Other fan bases are like, okay, I, 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 I guess I don't really know where I'm trying to go. But being around Charger fans, especially this season, it, it's something. Gr- growing up in the Bay Area, where it's all Raider fans uh, or Niner fans, I really bought into the media story that the Chargers had no fans because I just personally didn't know any. Um, and then coming into this community this past season, these last couple of years, it's been so eye opening to 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 your point that we not only do we have points, do we have a lot of fans, but we have diehard fans that'll do not only everything for their team, but for their fellow fan. It's really a great community to be a part of, which if you just listen to the media and you're outside of that community, you would never know this existed. It's really 
awesome to be a part and of it's now. Just, it's so crazy to me when you think about it. Like we win every fan voted competition like week after week yeah. because we have the guys constantly just like putting in multiple votes, multiple votes. I've done it, right? Uh, we took it. care of our oh, – we had that one fan who – house burned down, right? Yeah. We went and took care of him. Jennifer Mills has probably the most support of any uh, fan of the year out there. Uh, we There's do a full following on just being a Charger fan. It, it's really crazy. Yeah, I feel like it's we're the only – there's only a couple fan bases that could be able to do that, and we we have one of them. And so I don't care about the Los Angeles Rams having – I mean, they're not in the same division. They're not in the same conference. Their success means nothing to me. No, and it's – it, it 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 means nothing to me. Be this whole battle for LA, it, it's not a battle. The the Rams have been here before, right? They they have fans who never left LA. They and now are are coming back. The the Chargers are building a fan base, and I think I, uh, another reason why I like all of it, like all of the new fans, they're genuine, they're real, and they want to be Charger fans. It's not any of this. Well, I kind of grew up as a Packer fan, but you. you, you I guess I, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying You're to say. You're being made a fan, right? You look You're at being this made whole a fan. culture change with Brandon Staley, with Justin Herbert, with a lot of these new guys coming in, Austin Eckler. I've, I, we're building the right fan base is what it feels like, right? Like, And we finally have something that I think that that is, you know, makes other fan bases envious. And I think you touched on both of those guys as Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley, which makes – Los Angeles Chargers attractive right now. Those are some of the most, you know, interesting names right now in football. And you're seeing it with the Chargers doing all this community stuff, right? The the bikes for the schools. I know other teams do a lot of that stuff too. Uh, but it just feels special to the Chargers. It feels, and maybe I'm just biased because I'm a Chargers fan, but it feels right. different. But- and I don't see these things from other teams. I don't see the hardcore fans. There's one thing about doing, you know, all of these teams, they, like you said, they go out and they do stuff for the community, but a lot of it just seems like you kind of are doing it because that's what it's expected of you. I actually feel and believe the Chargers when they go out and do stuff like the Austin Eckler Foundations, like Derwin James going out and having the camp for DBs and safeties. Like those are things and, and organizations that these players actually care about as opposed to, you know, like when Tyreek Hill goes out and does community service, it's like, well, you owe the community some service, buddy. <laughs> that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, uh, uh. And the fans do a lot of the community stuff too. I mean, we've done giveaways. We have the shock there. Well, all the different podcasters have their own little giveaways that they yeah. end up doing. But then you look at like the Charger Bolt family, right? They, they did like a, a couple of homeless events. Uh, you yeah. look at Die Hard Bolt Club, the, that whole ring of fire is what I'll call it on game day there. That's just outstanding. I mean, I don't care if the Rams win the Super Bowl because they're a different team. I don't care about the battle for L.A. I, I follow the team that I want to follow. I don't want the bandwagon fans. Let all the bandwagon fans go to the Rams. I, I don't care. So... Either Joe Burrow winning or the Rams winning, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt the Chargers in any way, shape, or form. Um, we'll we'll have our own success as it comes. Did you hear about the Eric Weddle interview? I know it's everywhere. Yeah. I want to get your thoughts on it. Well, 
Yeah. Um, so I'm glad we, we talked about it because where I'm at is I, I think all fans, we watch football and we, we get, we watch football and we become so invested because we, we like the players, right? We follow the players and we follow the coaches. It's no, we, I'm not a charger fan because I really appreciate the front office. I, I think overall, like all owners in the NFL, and I think we're, they're getting exposed right now. It's a greedy collective of guys that all they really care about is making money. So my allegiance with my team is with my players and with my coaches. This whole thing about how the fan, and then now fans that are against Weddle want to make it what Weddle is saying was an attack on Chargers fans. If you listen to the whole thing, they even clarify. He's like, who is they? He goes San Diego. He goes the front office, and then he smirks. That's who his problem with is with. Yeah, and it's and not just the front office. It's just one person in particular. It's, it's Tom one guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's where I'm kind of. That's where I'm at. Uh, I'm still a fan of Eric Weddle for what he did for this team, and I'm still very upset how that situation has, you know, just completely exploded. But at the end of the day, I, I'm supporting my fans. I don't know what was said behind those closed doors. And I'm not taking a side either way. I think fans that are against Weddle or upset with Weddle are kind of taking it a little personal. It was, a business, it was a business dispute at the end of the day. They didn't see eye to eye. He has left. Um, and that's it, you know. And that's kind of where you have to draw your line. Are, what, are, what are you actually mad at? And I think people are, are taking his insults like, oh, you know, middle fingers to charger fans when it's really just to like you said to one guy yeah and when i look at it like eric weddle felt like he was wronged and in some way shape or form and people go back to oh you were the highest paid safety for so many years you signed the biggest contract but when you look back at his career with the chargers like overall it was very very good he played very very well for a very long time and he felt like he was wronged in whatever shape that may be, right? Whether it's the the not being told that he was going to be let go to the uh, his daughter with the national anthem to whatever it was, right? Like he had an issue with a specific person. He's never said anything bad about the fans. He carries yeah. some sort of animosity against a specific person, and overwhelmingly said that he's had a really good experience with the chargers outside of that one issue. And really it was just that one year. Right. But Eric Weddle has always been really good to the fans. I know that he still lives in San Diego. He still signs, signs San Diego memorabilia. He goes to a bunch um, of Padre games and stuff. I see him yeah, on all the Padre, Padre games and stuff like that, but he's never like talked bad about any particular player or his teammates or anything like that, right? Like every teammate he's ever had has always said nothing but positive things about Eric Weddle. And I get that he's got this animosity and he keeps attacking the team, right? And I'm saying that in quotation marks if you can't see it because you're <laughs> listening to this on a podcast, right? But he feels a certain way and he's entitled to feel that certain way. Overwhelmingly, he had a, an awesome, terrific career. He's going to be a borderline Hall of Famer, one of those guys who probably gets in toward the late part of his career or, or you know, when the, the senior advisory group, whatever, allows him to come in. But he's he's got the Pro Bowls. He's got the All-Pros. He's got – he led the league in interceptions. Like, people talk about, oh, you know, he used to get run over all the time, blah, blah, blah. Look, 
Eric Weddle is an undersized safety who played extremely well for many, many years. You know, you don't have to like that he's talking bad about the team, but there's a lot of other players who talk bad about their teams because they were wronged, and those organizations didn't take care of them. He has had nothing but positive things to say about the Ravens, who have been a very well-run organization. He's had nothing but good things to say about the Rams, and the Rams wanted to bring him back. He's always been thought of as a really good teammate, a professional. He's also been made a captain after four games with the Rams, which is just insane. He has the green. He's calling the the plays in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's got. Wow, he, that's ultimate trust. Are you going to tell me that totally that guy is not a? Defense. He's a bad teammate. He's a bad person. How do you make that m- impact in four games after being uh, on the couch for the last three four seasons? Yeah, and you know, I read a, a, an article from the Athletic where he was talking about like coming back and playing in the Super Bowl and how he hasn't like put himself through the type of training that he needed to be put through, and he's talking about how he can barely roll out of bed because he's beating <laughs> himself up on a final ride, a, a final go. Well, and if he played like something like 50 snaps their last game. Every snap. He played every snap the last game. Yeah, and insane. And like, I, I'm playing flag football on Sundays now, right? Nice. And I am so sore, so <laughs> extremely beat up, and there's no, almost no contact. Outside of, you know, me trying to go for the ball and hitting somebody else. But, like, this guy is playing professional football real men, grown men like Alvin Kamara, who has just beat the hell out of somebody at the Pro Bowl. Shouldn't, uh, yeah, These wonder what that guy boys. said. <laughs> yeah. These are big boys. Like, and for you to not be training like that, I think he lost, like, 20, 25 pounds since his playing days. Like, it's a totally different atmosphere. I don't hold it against them. And to be honest, I actually hope that the the uh, the Rams do win this game because I want him to win that. I, I I think that the Rams are just overall better team. They have the better defense. They have the better yeah. offense. Um, they have one of the best coaches like in the National Football League right now, and they've gotten close twice. And I mean, you look up and down their roster, and it's. There's a reason why they are going after so many veterans, and it's because veterans play very well. There's no learning curve. Yeah. That, well, and just how they just every step of the way, right? Our receiving core needs to be better. Well, let's go out, get OBJ. Oh, you know, we need some pass rush help. Here comes Von Miller. All right, our safety room is depleted. Why not Sony bring back Michelle. an all pro? Yeah. Oh, our running backs don't work. Let's go get Sony Michelle. Like, it, it doesn't stop. This is like the epitome of all in, and it's going to be so. I, I really want them to win because it would be so demoralizing to, you know, come have this the, far. You built the Super Bowl roster around Jared Goff, and you said he's not our guy. You went out and got Matthew Stafford. It didn't quite work, but now you got him every piece. There's no excuse if you're Sean McVay or the Los Angeles Rams to not win a Super Bowl. I think they're going to steamroll the Bengals, honestly. I think that they're. Top to bottom, you look and just count the superstars on this team on both sides of the ball, right? You got OBJ, you've got Cooper Cup, you've got Matt Stafford, who has had a tremendous career and not won anything in the process of it, right? You yeah. have your first round draft pick, or yeah, Cam was Cam Akers the first? He was a second round draft pick. Sony Michelle was a late first round draft pick. Yeah, you look at you know Von Miller, you've got the stud pass rusher defensive tackle Aaron 
top to bottom, Jalen Ramsey, Eric Weddle, who's a multi multi all pro type of it's everywhere. Like this team is so set and they are very soon going to have to come pay that bill. And they are going to go into the gutter really fast. It's going to be over. It's going to be one off season. It's going to be. Yeah. And it, it could be after this season, but I really think the Rams get it. And it's all off of veteran leadership. They have guys that have been in the league too long and the Bengals are really here on the backs of two guys, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I see them making a rookie type mistake. One of either one of them is going to make a rookie type mistake either early on in this game that'll blow it up or late in the game that will give them no chance. I, I really see them just making like, why are you doing that type of play where the Eric Weddles, the Von Millers, the Matthew Staffords on the other side, they're not going to make, they're not going to make any mistake by themselves that they're not forced into. I think you're going to see the Bengals make one, maybe two unforced errors. And I think that's going to be the ball game. You just can't have those type of mistakes in the Super Bowl. I just haven't seen enough from those two young guys who are really spearheading this Bengal Super Bowl run. So what's the final score do you think is going to be on of this game? It's I see a lot of like single score games. I, I think it's going to be a couple touchdowns, like 34-20 ramps. Um, and I've already been on the record saying that I think the first score of the game is going to be a Jalen Ramsey house call. I, just, I, I, I think they're too smart. I just think the Rams are too smart and the, the Bengals are just so young. And like I said, they're going to be back here in the situation competing for Super Bowls for a long time. I think this is going to be one of those learning curves for that young franchise. I don't see Jamar Chase and winning very many matchups against Jalen Ramsey. He might get one. I'll give him like one. I'll give him like one catch, eight targets, and it's going to be like a 63 yard <laughs> touchdown. Like, He's going to he's gonna do something with that one catch, but Jalen Ramsey is going to shut that shit down. And then they're going to have to rely on the running game with Joe Mixon. But that defensive front is way too good to, to be doing that. I just don't think the Bengals match up very well. I think they've got a, a really young cast of players that are going to be really, really good soon. Mm-hmm. But they just haven't – I just don't feel like they're – Full like once that Bengals offensive unit is developed, that's going to be so scary. Once they but, get into like yeah, and and start getting their grown man strength right because they're right now they're just like they're strong, but they're boys. I, I think when, in a couple years they're going to turn into men right in front of our eyes, and then they're going to be super scary. But right now I'm just not scared of them. They all look like cubs to me. And I wouldn't say you shouldn't be scared. I mean, they made it to the Super Bowl. They won all the games to this point. Like, they can totally make yeah. this a game. I just don't think that they should be able to. I think that they are a very talented, young team, still growing, and somehow they managed to get into the Super Bowl because they are so talented. But, I mean, that magic that Burrow put together these these last – this whole playoff, like that's got to stop here soon because I, he shouldn't be able to do that. Like the Bengals shouldn't have even like you look at the roster, they shouldn't have even made the playoffs like with the well, roster that they have. And I don't want to discredit the, the Bengals because it is just one game. They only need to win one more to be the best in the world. And any team can win any, anyone can win any game, right? Any given Sunday, that's an, adage that is that will never go old but I kind of just have to think that 
the energy they expended to get here, all of the comebacks that they have gone through. I don't know if there's enough magic left in the tank. Like, where are they going to pull it out of this time? I just, I'm looking at it for what it is. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. They, I'm glad they got there, but they, they should not be this talented. They should not be this good because there is so much room for them to still grow. Where you look at a team like the Rams, where they are really maxed out, it. but at a yeah. very high ceiling, right? The ceiling of the Rams is so much bigger which is probably why they're favored to win so greatly on in the, in the Super Bowl. But I mean, it's just, it's insane. And it's a, it's a great story. You looking at the Bengals coming up, you know, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow gets his college teammate, college friend. Um, Zach Taylor took, takes one of the worst teams to one of the best teams in two years. It's, it's a great story. But when you're looking at the max talent level of the Rams versus the max talent level of the the Bengals, I mean, this should be super lopsided. It should be, but we have been so wrong on this podcast before. So that's why we play the game, right? If it was all box score. So I heard a really good quote today about uh, David Carr talking about the Tom Coughlin or Tom Coughlin's speech before the Giants won the Super Bowl. And he comes in the locker room and he says, on paper, they're the better team. But we don't play this team on paper. We play them tomorrow at 3 p.m. And that's just something like that really resonated with me because it, it's 60 minutes. When that football goes up on kickoff, They anything can happen. So Anything can happen. You can't write them off. Every team's good enough to be every team should, at least once. It, it, but I'm with you there. Like, I just don't understand. The Cinderella story has to come to a close eventually because if it doesn't, this team is only going to get better next season and beyond. I think that's scary. I don't want this team to win a Super Bowl <laughs> because then we're looking at a, a potential dynasty here. So um, I'm rooting for the Rams, and I, I have been because they have a little more individual p- player to player. I just like a little bit more. I got you. Let's talk about the Pro Bowl. I'll be honest, I didn't watch a single thing about the Pro Bowl other than the fact that Alvin Kamara beat the hell out of somebody. Um, I I get it, right? Like, a lot of people are like, oh, the Pro Bowl's soft. It's meant to be soft, though. Like, these guys just got out of playing, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 games, and they have to go and beat the hell out of themselves for a, an extra hundred thousand dollar paycheck. Like, no, it's meant to, it's for the interviews. It's an award ceremony more than anything yeah. else. It's a, it's a celebration of a great season for a lot of these players, but this is not a game that matters. Like you win the pro bowl, you get an extra hundred thousand dollar paycheck, which is a lot of these guys <laughs> shit a hundred thousand dollars on a weekend. Like it doesn't even matter. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. 
Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. This is meant to just for the fun, just hanging out. It's the guys getting together after accomplishing what usually is a pretty damn good season to even make the Pro Bowl. And most of the time they're getting out of practice and they're going to the bars and having fun with the boys and it's not meant to be a real game. Nobody <laughs> nobody even wants that other than fans who just want to see the hits. Well, and then are we just ready then to axe the whole game together? Then if, if it's about players' longevity and safety, why are they even out there running 50% at all? Like that, is, I, if, if that's the route we're going to go, then it should be no game at all, and it should be – Everybody, the skills challenge. And, it should be the skills challenge. It should be, it should be something fun. It should be fun. There should be some type of competition. People should want to win. Also, like, yeah, you should want to win. And if there's no type of competition, these are the ultimate competitors. They're not going to play. And it's a joke of a game. It should just be axed if you're not going to put any type of competitive element. For me, you need to take away the pads and put on flags. There's at least a competitive element there. But then at the end of the day, back to the safety thing this is a, a grueling grueling league that's only got even more grueling with an additional game these guys don't want to go out there and put their bodies on the line for an extra thousand dollars it should just be axed and if we ax the game it allows the guys in the super bowl to still get the pro bowl recognition and then it keeps us from getting these like fifth or sixth round like replacement guys that are go oh yeah we run a, a pro bowl but no you didn't you're just a backup for guys who didn't want to play you know what I'm saying? And then, yeah. then in fact, you know, I love the, a, the I love a more flag football game. I love that a flag cool football too. game. That would be totally cool because there's a an element there of just, you know, competition still. Granted, you're probably going to take the offensive defensive line out. You give them, you know, their five seconds or whatever. Well, and then but, I was thinking it, it should be seven on seven, then have one-on-ones for like a one-on-one kind of um, – tournament for defensive linemen and and alignment like that you know to me, defensive linemen they should do they should 
you know, do the the how many times can you bench press two twenty five kind of thing, like the, that the things like too. that. You know, I I think it would be really cool to do a Pro Bowl combine, a Pro Bowl combine, right? And obviously, some of these guys are still beat up and hurt, and they probably can't do all those different things. That's fine, but like I used to love watching the bench press, like you know, scouting, like everybody's there and, you know, they're just having fun. Like, you know, let me, let me see Aaron Donald lift the fucking truck. You know what I mean? Like, well, and they tried to do that. They had like a a best kept. Did you watch any of the skills competition? I did not watch any little piece of this. They're they're trying to make it fun and they have ideas. They had a, a best catch competition where all of the receivers, they went out and they tried to do like acrobatic, like acrobatic uh, catches and you know, it, it wasn't fun because it was just not thought out of it wasn't just fully thought out but i think that concept putting a little nba dunk contest flair on it is, is what this event needs it's the worst all-star game in professional sports it just is and i understand it's because it's a very physical sport but the nhl has entertaining um all-star events i i don't ever even watch the NHL, but I'll tune into the NHL skills contest in the all-star game. Cause it's at least, you know, I still notice the game. That was not a football game that we just saw on uh, Saturday in the pro bowl. Like even Derwin wow. James, who was mic'd up going to his quarterback, Justin Herbert, they're just laughing. Like this is so slow. Like they had to adapt to it being so slow because it's like, they don't even recognize it. It wasn't football. Um, it, it Michael Parsons so thought it was a real game, though. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw little bits and pieces. Michael Parsons was putting people on their back still. No, man, it, uh, you know, Just you go back to the old Pro Bowl, right? Like, I always had fun with the skills competition, right? The wide receivers running through their drills. Those are always fun to watch. And yeah. there's usually some competitive element because it's like a race, right? Mm-hmm. It's the guy that, you know, you have to catch – the ball in all these different spots and you have your quarterback throwing it to those spots oh, yeah. and you have to catch it in the box or you have to, you know, whatever it is, you have to catch it one handed here. Right. Like those were always fun to watch. The quarterback drills were always fun to watch. Or it would be uh, cool to like just have a jugs machine and send it at them and see what's the fastest, how fast or how close they can get at a certain velocity or how fast they can get at a certain distance. Like that would be fun too. Like I'm just yeah, like a here. You can make this or fun. whatever it is. Yeah. Who can punt the ball, which quarterback can punt the ball the furthest, which, which, yeah. uh, you know, the a 40 yard dash for a 40 yard dash for your offensive lineman, like just stuff that just doesn't make sense, but it's still fun to watch. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, in, in training camp, they do offensive linemen or, Offensive or defensive lineman catching punts, right? Like, there's just so many things you can do to have fun with it. The game's not important. People want it to be important because it's a game. Right. It is what it is. (laughs) I will say. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, Justin Herbert won the Pro Bowl MVP. um, And Derwin James got a pick. That's about all I can say about the Pro Bowl. So, Well, and I watched a lot of it. It was so, so boring. Those two players were some of the most entertaining players. Justin Herbert had an amazing throw in between like three defenders to Mark An- or to Mark Andrews for that first touchdown. That was the best throw of the game, and it would be considered a good throw in the regular season. 
but the defense wasn't trying. So you just don't know like, Oh, maybe the defense was like slack, you know, slacking there. It was an absolute dime from Justin Herbert. We'll never be able to give it a credit because everyone else out there was going 50%. It, it is what it is. It is what it is. But Justin Herbert won MVP. I'm hoping that that is the last time that he ever performs in the game. I want him to go to Pro Bowls for the rest of his career. I hope that's the last time he actually has to play in the Pro Bowl because I'm hoping that we are busy preparing for Super Bowl Sundays. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl before we close out today's podcast. Uh, I only really scouted about four players, and I know you scouted five, so I'm going to let you go first. All right. Well, just talking about the quarterback class, I think it's a significant drop off. Um, definitely no game changers like the Burroughs or the Herberts that we saw in 2019. And even it's a completely downgrade in talent from the last year's quarterback class. But with that being said, I think the first person that stuck out to me in that senior bowl was the starting quarterback for the national team and Kenny Pickett. And I think, you know, he came into the, the, the week as the safest option at the quarterback position. And I think he really did solidify his spot at the top as the best quarterback in this class. And he didn't play a whole lot. He only had two drives, but he was perfect in the the snaps that he was able to get. Perfect six for six, 89 yards and the touchdown. It really gave, you know, gave the national team the first points of the game, gave them the lead, but it really gave, I thought, the team the momentum to eventually win the game. And I think that's pretty significant when you just play two possessions. Um, and I think what you saw from Pickett is he's a really good decision maker. He processes the field very fast, how he goes one, two, three, um, just like a, a, a sprinkler is what they were saying in the Pro Bowl uh, broadcast. And I think despite not being the most athletic quarterback, I think he's the most NFL ready today. Um, and I think because of it, he's going to probably be the first quarterback taken come March. I think there's a good chance Kenny Pickett's the first quarterback taken. Uh, I actually like um, the quarterback from uh, – where was he? Nevada, uh, Carson Strong. I know he's got that knee issue. Um, we'll get more into the – I guess the this draft class, but he's actually my favorite quarterback. Uh, for the – I took the American team. I want to talk about Velas Jones Jr., wide receiver out of Tennessee – uh, he's 5'11", 203 pounds. He's kind of an older player, so there's not very many uh, college players that play six years in, in college football, but he oh. spent four years at USC, and he spent two years at Tennessee. He wasn't really overly effective, you know, kind of as a six-year player. He didn't really play a whole lot for USC. As a grad transfer, he transferred to Tennessee, and then he got that extra year of eligibility with COVID. But in a senior season, he had 62 receptions for 807 yards and seven touchdowns. That was his most uh, prolific year of any other year because he didn't match any of those numbers in the five years before. But what he does offer, and he did play at the Senior Bowl, so there was something there that they saw. It was like, hey, you know, they're, they're, this player could be a little bit better than what he's been given credit to. Uh, he is a fast, fast guy, and he offers so much run after the catch ability. He's got really good vision with the ball in his hands, which is why he was a pretty prolific kick returner, punt returner over the past two seasons. Uh, he's not very refined as a route runner. He struggled to get off press in the practices that I did watch, 
but he did regularly shine at just beating his his defender deep. Just when he goes, he takes off, and he is faster than everybody else on the field. So that that kick returner, punt returner ability, it's going to allow him to to get out in the open field and not get caught from behind. He's probably going to be a pretty late-round pick because anybody drafting him has to know that he's already 25 years old. As, you know, there's not very many college players getting drafted at that age, but he does offer some sort of a replacement for Joe Reed or at least competition uh, in camp. And like I said, that kick returner, punt returner, if we don't sign Andre Roberts or if Andre Roberts does get re-signed and he gets hurt, we're back to KJ Hill. He offers you that flexibility, somebody that returns punts too because Joe Reed doesn't return any punts. So he's a, he's a, he's a project, uh, one that really needs a lot of refinement. He was a three-star uh, high school recruit, but he's got that speed. And, and what we've been lacking on this offense for a long time, really since Travis Benjamin, is that slot receiver who can just get out and go. And Travis Benjamin was not very good at it while he was with us. <laughs> what do you mean? You mean fielding punts at the five-yard line and running backwards? That's not good. Oh no, he fielded it at the fifteen and ran backwards. Is into it the that goal far? Line. Jeez. Yeah, it was. It was far. It was bad. It was. Oh bad. man. Well, yeah, and I think gadget players like that are just going to be more and more sought after in the years to come, especially with just this emergence of Debo Samuel. Everyone's going to try to get their version of it. Uh, you're never going to find another guy quite He's like Debo. Not a Debo. He's not he's not quite a Debo, but he is one of those guys that you could use as a decoy. You could probably use him on a couple end rounds and stuff like that. What I really like about him is his kick returner, punt returner ability. Somebody to really push Joe Reed to really become both of their bests. They're kind of the same age. Joe Reed was a better kick returner, punt returner, but he's got more shiftiness than Joe Reed does. He he can catch those bubble screens cut and just take it home now he's probably not going to do it very often like i said there's a lot of refinement if i'm taking a guy like this who um doesn't really offer you much route running ability it's probably going to be in the fifth or sixth round really something you would consider a throwaway all right well i'm super excited about this draft class for one because it's as a super super deep edge class um and i think a guy kind of just that has kind of gone under the radar because it's such a deep class is Boye Mafi, uh, the edge rusher out of Minnesota, who you know entered the week as a third with a third round grade from the Draft Network, and I think you know look looking reading um, articles and stuff, he might have been the one player to raise his draft stock the most during his time in Alabama, and just all week through practice was just tossing O lineman prospects left and right. And then came out in the, the the actual Senior Bowl itself and was just seemingly always in the American team's backfield. And I, I, he is has all of the tools that you want from an, uh, an NFL pass rusher. He could beat you with speed. He could beat you with power. He has an ever-growing arsenal of counters and pass rush moves. He's just complete, complete edge rusher. And he put it on, all on display, I think, in the Senior Bowl. He had two sacks three tackles for loss total, and he forced a fumble. All of that got him national team player of the game honors. And what I really like about this guy is he was a stand-up rusher 
during his time in Minnesota. And they just, they reached out to him, the coaching staff of the senior bowl about five days before practices started. And they said, Hey, we're going to want to see you with your hand in the dirt a little more during practice. And he said, okay, yeah, I'll try it. Apparently he put his hand in the dirt, maybe three or four times uh, during a workout before. And he said, all right, I'm going to go and let it take care of itself. And what I really like about him is he has a quote and he says, you know, I was open ears when I got here. I just wanted to learn and play my best ball. To NFL scouts that are looking at this guy to possibly draft him, that is absolute music to their ears. And it shows he's coachable and he could be coached very, very fast. And I think his, you know, his performance in that senior bowl kind of speaks for itself. I got you. Uh, I'll talk about Brian Robinson Jr. uh, running back from Alabama. Really, Alabama has been the the running back you for as long as I can remember these last like 10 years or so. He's 6'1", 226 pounds. He's a real physical back. Um, And he could be that power back that really the Chargers have been missing since, you know, Melvin Gordon. Before that was maybe Michael Turner. We haven't had a real physical back who's been very productive. Uh, Melvin Gordon was a physical back, but Melvin Gordon had his own issues, right? This, yeah. I, I think you would get the same thing out of Brian Robinson minus the fumbles in the most inopportune moments. Um, but what I really like about Brian Robinson, he's, he's got really good balance to stay on his feet through contact. Uh, he always seems to fall forward. He's always grinding out that that hidden yardage. You know, when you're falling down, are you falling down or are you falling forward? And he's he's a guy that always seems to fall forward. He's agile enough to kind of sidestep tacklers. He, he has enough wiggle room to create, you know, space for himself. But he lacks real bursts. Uh, you're not really drafting for those reasons, right? So, you know, he's a power back first. He's got enough mobility between the tackles. He's not very shifty. And he doesn't have a whole lot of production at Alabama. I, I don't think he's ever had over 600 yards rushing in a single season. Uh, but I think there is a role for a player like this. And if you're even on the roster as a running back for Alabama, you're talented. You are talented. You think of like TJ Yeldon, who has been somewhat productive as a running back, but never a full-time starter. Um, kind of a similar situation to Brian Robinson. Uh, I think he may be drafted a little bit higher than his day three projection. I think a lot of that has to do because he only had like 90 to 100 carries all of last season. Um, but, you know, the, the Chargers really are missing a, a good power back, and we've been looking for one. We've been trying to draft one. Joshua Kelly hasn't, you know, panned out the way we wanted him to pan out. Uh, the running back from Missouri that we just took, uh, Larry Roundtree, Um there's something there to develop, but is he far enough developed there? Uh, there? There is a good opportunity for us to go and find a more physical back who has a little bit more of a pedigree. And, and I, I don't want to scout the helmet. I want to scout the player. Uh, he just hasn't really had the opportunities there at Alabama. But, I mean, you're you're playing on a football team that's competing for a national championship every single year. Well, and I think that kind of speaks to, you know, his what makes him an appealing prospect. Yeah, he comes from the pedigree of Alabama backfield. He has that coaching. He's been behind those guys, but he doesn't have the tread that some of those guys have that have, you know, carried the ball a thousand times a year before entering the league. You know, something Sorry, like- uh, 
So Brian Robinson, like as a senior, he had a really good year at 1300 yards, but before that he wasn't very productive because you're, you're Backing playing up behind you... Najee. You're yeah. playing behind Najee. He did have like 1300 yards last season as, and then he was back. behind Jacobs the year before he's been there a while. He just hasn't yeah. had his opportunities, which I exactly. think exactly that's would... my point. Yeah. All right. I could dig it. I think he's a really good back. Um, I'm going to go into, I know, a prospect you really like and was probably one of the most polarizing prospects in this class. And that's Northern Iowa tackle Trevor Penny. And the dude honestly could probably be uh, a stunt double for the mountain in game of Thrones if he wanted to, cause he's that just giant and massive at six, eight, 330 pounds. And when I say this guy plays with a mean streak, I say it because there's no other word for what this guy plays with. You know, I heard the broadcasters talking about that Penning before games watches scary movies to get in character. And if you ever put any of his tape on, it makes complete sense. The guy is a nightmare. He's an animal. And he's not making any friends when he's on the football field. Extremely, extremely physical player. And he goes out there every play. And his one goal is to just end his opponents. That's how he plays with. And he really reminds me of an offensive line version of Ngam, uh, Ngamakinsu, you know, borderline, maybe dirty, but plays extremely hard whistle to whistle, but he's definitely going to give you another shot after the play just to let you know, establishes dominance and then still a little fear. Like that's the guy. That's how Penning plays with. He plays with this edge. And I think early on in his career, you're going to see him get flagged for a lot of holding penalties, a lot of personal foul penalties. But as he gets older, I think he's going to dial it down a little bit, kind of like what we saw with Sue. Like early on in his career, that guy was just an animal. And then he kind of dialed it back and has had a, a great career. Um, that's kind of where I see from Trevor Penning, just an absolute nightmare of an offensive tackle. He uh, he definitely didn't make any friends. At no the, friends. The I don't senior think bowl. even his teammates wanted to be around him. He's just not a nice guy. And, I mean, there's room for that. Um <laughs> he's just not he's not good no i definitely saw Bowls. him chip chipping back and forth with other guys because i mean oh, yeah. he's giving you that extra push you fall down and it's the senior he's, bowl and he's jumping he's coming for you yeah uh you told me a, a few days ago i don't think that guy's a locker room guy at all <laughs> i don't not a locker room guy at all no i was uh, not only was he not making friends on the other team, I don't think he made a single friend on his own team. I think guys were thankful that they didn't have to go up against him, but I don't think he got any numbers. Like he's not making friends, right? <laughs> he's that's not no. how he goes about it. He's not out there holding hands. Um, he plays with a he's a nasty, nasty football player. So, well, those are always fun to have those nasty football players. I just I don't know about the fit to the Chargers, right? Uh, if he just culture seems too is nasty. what you're building. Yeah, he just right. seems he just seems like um like a player who's probably just gonna sit by himself in in the uh in in the locker room. Yeah. I, I wonder I if, just, if he has any friends come to his birthday party. No, I don't think he <laughs> I don't think he wants friends, you know, and if it is, it's gonna be, you know, Leatherface or uh Freddy Krueger. Like <laughs> he, Texas Maxis Krueger. Yeah, this man is not a friendly guy. Uh, I'm going to talk about Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher out of Florida State, 6'4", almost 6'5", 259 pounds. This guy's got long arms, 35-inch arms. I think he helped his case more than anybody else at the Senior Bowl. 
had a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, camp there. And he seemed to win almost every single rep. And it didn't matter who he was going up against. Um, he just he just routinely won every single matchup. I honestly didn't really know who he was. Uh, all the big names that you typically hear, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, um, those are the guys that get the media attention. But Johnson is sneaking his way into the back half of the first round with a, a stellar combine with a stellar pro day, he could really find himself moving up into the mid round, uh, mid first round draft pick. Um, he's not super physically imposing, but he is so quick off the line of scrimmage and his hand fight. Uh, he, he, he looked for the contact. He slaps the arms away and he gets a free release out of it. Um, he's got a nice spin move. He's got a power rush. He, uh, he put another player I'm about to talk about here right after this, put him right on his back. And it's really interesting to put a 6'5", 330-pound offensive tackle right on their, their back when he's only 260 pounds. Plays a tremendous motor. Uh, I love the fit to the Chargers. I I think that the Chargers do need another edge rusher, especially if you chin in a Wosu does not return. And this guy could be a day one starter, and I'd feel very, very comfortable uh, with him as, as our edge rusher. Uh, he's got the good size for it. He's got that that physical demeanor. He can bull rush. He can use speed to go outside. He can cut or rip back inside. He's got all the moves. Uh, I'm, I'm really surprised that he wasn't already higher in a lot of other people's draft boards based off of what I just saw at the senior bowl. I haven't watched very much of his tape quite yet. We'll be getting into it here very soon, but Jermaine Johnson is for real. That's kid is a stud. He's an absolute stud. And to be a borderline first round pick to just go out two days of mobile practice and be like, I showed scouts enough. And to be able to go home, you know, you had a ball out of your mind. He's like, that's it. I can't show anybody anything else. Um, I would have liked to self selfishly. I would have liked to see him actually perform in the senior bowl. Cause from what we saw, he was just going to absolutely light that game up. But I, I understand from, uh, you know, uh, from his camp, why they made that decision, but still he didn't lose. I think uh, I can't, I can't remember a rep that he made single so rep much he money. Lost. Lot he of made money. so much money. He had to have gone up a full round based off of two days at the Senior Bowl. Easy, easy. Um, I'm going to keep with my offensive lineman. Um, and, you know, as promising, I think, a prospect as Penny is, he wasn't even the most impressive lineman on his team. Um, I think as going to these all-star games and getting noticed as an interior offensive lineman, I think is much, much harder to do than getting noticed at tackle. It, it just is. But Zion Johnson, the guard from Boston College, took snaps at center and guard throughout the week, was dominating what we were, I'm calling a very, very strong defensive line class through practice, was named player practice of the week because at Boston College, he was a guard. In this game, they wanted him to play center. He stayed late, worked on his snap that he never did throughout college, and I, I think did a phenomenal job once he got in the game, right? He didn't start the senior bowl. He came in during the second quarter. And during that time, during the, after, after the national team scored that first touchdown with Pickett and they started rotating in those other quarterbacks, I think overall 
both offenses started to kind of struggle. The game kind of started to get in a lull, and neither team got really get anything going offensively. Then Johnson came in at center, was opening massive running lanes. It really allowed for the national team to set up that second scoring drive, and I don't think they have that. I don't think they win this game without Johnson's performance at center. That's how impressive I thought he was. He's really excels at a run blocker, but I think throughout the week showed more than enough in pass coverage. He was a guy who entered mobile as a mid second round projection and is now being talked about as one of the top 25 overall players in this entire draft, huge jump in draft stock. And I I think the big fella really earned it. My favorite, one of my favorite players, preseason players that I, I had been watching since last year, Darian Kennard, uh, 6'5", 324 pounds. He's got 11 and a half inch hands. His hands are bigger than my feet. That's insane. <laughs> like, that's insane to think about. He's got huge hands, 34 and 5'8 arms. He's the guy that Jermaine Johnson put on his back, which is why I was so impressed with Jermaine Johnson. But Darren Kennard played right tackle for the Kentucky Wildcats, and this dude is just massive. He's huge. He's humongous human being he was one of the top offensive ranked tackles preseason before the season started and for a guy that is that big that massive you would not expect the athleticism that he has at that size there's a reason to be really really high on a guy that's got these these physical tools at his disposal uh he he just you know you put him next to every other guy at the senior bowl and he just looks bigger his arms are thicker, his legs are thicker, his chest is more broad. He's just a bigger guy than everybody. And that size really it translates to power. Uh, he's a mauler in the run game. He's got explosion on contact. When he gets his hands on you, I mean, there's not very many times he's going to lose a rep that that he's he's got his hands on you for. As a prote- pass protector, surprisingly mobile. He, he has a really good kick step. Um He's able to, to, to get back, and he has enough power to catch pass rushes and stop his backward momentum, which is one of those traits that you're really looking for. Can a offensive tackle, can he kick step, be working backwards a little bit, and be able to uh, stop that momentum force that's pushing him back and keep the quarterback clean? And he has that. Uh, what here he tends to struggle, so his punch, his placement of his hands, it tends to be off or for whatever reason, he likes to get his hounds outside, which is going to eventually lead to holding penalties. Those are typically issues that can be coached out of a player. But, I mean, as a, a, a power tackle, uh, as a guy that you, you know, if you want to get big on the offensive line, that's what Brandon Savi has said time and time again. Uh, this is the guy that you're going after. Uh, I, I've seen him mocked in the first round all the way to the third round. Uh, I'm much, much higher on his traits because I feel like the things that he's not very good at are coachable. Uh, This isn't a guy who has bad feet. Um, The other thing about him is because he is so big and massive, um, his bend, his flexibility, it it isn't always there. Uh, But still, I, I just think that this player is super, super special. I've been very, very high on Darian Kennard for two years now, and I'm extremely excited to see what he does in the NFL. There we go. Um, Well, and I think it's just fair to say at this point in the show that these are all kind of preliminary. We have no idea what the Chargers big board is going to look like, and it's going to just continue to change 
um, as these offseason moves happen, as we sign free agents, you know, it, it's going to change more and more. Um, but one guy I think makes sense as of right now, um, who should be around on the board still around 17, and I thought had a fantastic week and showed out in the game itself is UConn defensive tackle Travis Jones. I really like this player. I think he's an absolute beast. Um, and personally, I thought he had the best highlight of the senior bowl game itself, where he just picked up his opponent in center Dylan Parham, like a, a forklift and picks him up, takes him back five yards and just deposits him into Bailey Zapp's uh, lap for a sack. The dude is just an absolute brute. He is incredibly strong and he's really built in like the mold of a Linville Joseph. You know, he makes a lot of sense to me as a replacement anchor in the middle of that defense. What excites me about Travis Jones over Linville Joseph, obviously the age, but Travis Jones is a two gap player. He is built for the system that Staley wants to use. And he's a very wide player and fill multiple running lanes, but still has the strength to be able to collapse pockets while being two lanes wide. It's a really rare skill set to have, and it would be so, so great if we could insert that into the the front line of our defense our defense it would just make everything so much better it would fill a lot of holes um and travis jones is is today one of my favorite picks at 17 for the chargers i just really love the guy as a player well that's everything that i got on the senior bowl uh we'll be breaking down these these position group by position group over the next coming weeks uh, I'm excited to watch the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I think there's going to be no shortage of highlights offensively, defensively. Um, these are two teams that are uh, high-scoring teams. Um, I think the Rams' defense is ultimately going to win them their game. Uh, as far as the Pro Bowl goes, take out the Pro Bowl actual <laughs> game and just leave it the way it is. And then I'm super excited to get into more draft talk. Uh, as we start looking at uh, the coming schedule, it looks like we're going to be hitting free agency here pretty soon. I think around April 15th or so, uh, March 15th or so, we'll, we'll start looking uh, much heavily at free agents uh, that are going to become available, have a better idea of who's going to be available, who's going to be tagged. All that's coming up here very, very soon. Thank you, Zach, so much for all of that input because, like I said, I barely dug into the draft at all just based off of guys that I knew from the previous seasons. Um, And I'm really excited to get into this draft. It's going to be so fun. You know, I I think we spent a lot of summer last summer talking about how 2021 offseason was the best in Chargers history. I think it really was just a foundation. It's going to be a catapult for what's going to come this year. This is our all-in offseason, and some very, very exciting things are about to happen the next couple of months. I can't wait. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Feel free to leave us a review. And if you have anything you guys – any player you guys want us to specifically um, monitor, scout. I am a a certified football scout. I actually (laughs) have a certification, as weird as that is, something I did during COVID two years ago. I'd I'd love to scout the players, so let me know. Thank you guys so much. Over and out.